situation. Emotion is energy in motion. Anything that's important to you, that you feel a bit bonded to, that if you lost it, you would feel disturbed, yeah? What are you worried you might lose? And once people adjust and just start thinking like that, suddenly a list of half a dozen things that they might lose. And when we got that list, we say to people, you know, you'd only name those as losses if they were things that you value. So what you've done is you've actually written a list of your values. And so not only did someone's inner emotional world settle down, right? Because yeah. they, they had a purpose now. They understood themselves and they had a purpose, but they could explain it to somebody else. And therefore mm -hmm. the relationship settled down as well. And when the relationship settled down, everything in life becomes more sustainable. There's more joy, yeah. you know, because the grief, all those unpleasant emotions are there to move you back to discover the joy of love as well. How do you see and feel about unpleasant emotions? Many of us have been conditioned or subconsciously taught that every unpleasant emotion we experience in life, especially nowadays, could turn into taking medicine the easy way. If you can't face it alone, then you're weak. Or we all have this self-sabotage thought that running around causing more trouble than understanding and attending to it, how can unpleasant emotions can actually reconnect to what we truly value in our lives? This episode is a super rich and interesting conversation I have with our next guest. Listen till the end because I promise you, you will learn so much about your emotions, thoughts, and how we've been conditioned in life. And we all have the possibility to create a brighter and more positivity in life. Enjoy. Welcome back to our show, Empower Your Life. Cindy Marie here. Our next guest studied medicine and neuroscience at Oxford University and became a pioneering family doctor for 25 years, introducing counseling, family therapy into his medical practice. 20 years ago, he left clinical medicine to try to prevent mental illness and uh, relationship breakdowns, teaching new way to make, make sense of the um, unpleasant loss and uh, emotions that come with setbacks and hurts. In this episode, we're going to cover his book, Emotional Logic, as how it is a powerful and successful method or tool helping people to come through stronger after the traumas they have experienced. I'm super, super excited to dive into this. So let's all welcome our next guest, Dr. Trevor Griffiths. Hi, Trevor. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, hi, Sydney Thank you so much for the invitation. It's great to, uh, to come and join you here. Thank you. Thank you. So let's dive in. I'm super, super sure that our viewers and listeners also curious as I do, understanding like where does the inspiration of this book coming from and how does it relate to your life story? Would you share a little bit about that, if you don't mind? Uh, yeah, certainly uh, can do. Uh, so it's intimately tied up with my life story. Um, so a lot of people uh, look on um, emotions like anger and guilt and depression. They call them negative emotions. 
Yes. Uh, but what the book is basically saying that all of these unpleasant loss emotions, loss related emotions are inbuilt to have useful purposes to help us to adjust. Mm. Now, the background inspiration to me thinking about emotions rather than going into psychiatry or some other area of medicine, because I had an interest in family dynamics and mental illness, because that was my family background. Mm. Uh, we had a quite a troubled home, I had two older brothers, uh, one of whom was very violent and unpredictable. Mm. And it turned out that uh, he had eventually a diagnosis of schizophrenia and uh, was a very violent, paranoid schizophrenic, you know, life throughout his lifetime, which caused all sorts of problems in the home uh, for everybody. Uh, so everyone's stress reactions were coming to the fore. So I, I was brought up in uh, a very disturbed and unpredictable household. Um, and that left me with quite a few scars. Now, at the time, I uh, psychological scars, um, at the time, I wouldn't have called it trauma, but it's only in the last 20, 25 years mm -hmm. that medicine uh, and psychology has recognized how widespread traumatization is. Um, and there's a lot of science is now going into the long-term impact of disturbing incidents in people's early years. Uh, mm -hmm. And it, the, this thing can have, a, a dis it can have a, an impact on the way the brain develops so that it has a permanent impact on the way relationships happen, people's ability to achieve um, stability in their homes, uh, to find work, their economic status and their physical health and even their length of life can all suffer when people have had what are now called adverse childhood experiences, um, yeah. ACE, adverse yeah. childhood experiences. Um, and uh, a lot of people have discovered that if you have four or more um, very disturbing things happening in a home, during a child's upbringing, it can seriously affect their, their long-term health prospects. Yes. So when I emerged from my, you know, from my youth, um, managed to escape the home, uh, it, mm -hmm. I was, my, the main thing that sort of kept me going was I was intelligent. I was interested in medicine um, and healing. And I, and I was able to go uh, to study well. Um, I got out of the home quite a bit. Uh, I was a bit of an adventurer. Um, nice. So off to Africa and, you know, touring up in Norway and all this sort of thing. But although it looked on the outside as if my life was very, you know, go-getter out there and so on, actually mm -hmm. inside, I was all broken up and mm. I didn't know how to make relationships properly. So actually, I was keeping on the move to avoid those situations where, where I would feel uncomfortable because well, I couldn't yeah. trust anybody, basically, is what, I, what emerged in the end. I was always expecting some trouble to come from some unexpected angle. Mm -hmm. um, and knowing all of that, I went through medicine, um, understanding psychology, understanding all the biochemistry of the body. And I gradually grew in this awareness that what people call emotions, a lot mm -hmm. of people are saying they're all in the head. You know, they're, they're just the side effect of your thinking. You know, get your thinking sorted out and your emotions yeah. will sort themselves out. But I knew from my life that was a whole load of rubbish. Um, and I thought, I've got, to, I've got to find some other way of helping people to make sense of these emotions without calling them negative. And that's, now that's the, the real message of emotional logic. Um, and it took me a long, long time to work that through, through setting up my own medical practice, uh, through employing counsellors, systemic family therapists, 
talking with them a lot about yeah. the way they understood relational dynamics. And along the way, I gradually got a healing as well. Mm. There is another, I don't know whether I'm going to be talking sort of too much from what you're saying, but there is another angle on this. And I know, Cindy Marie, when we were talking about this, you really are looking for, you know, what is the personal background behind um, what looks like a, a really solid upfront method, which it is, it's a really solid upfront method to help people change their lives, because it really has uh, been working for people. Yeah. Um, there is another angle to it, which is that the family home really was very disturbed. And um, about the age of 13, I was actually suicidal and uh, had an, an event basically it was a, a religious experience a spiritual experience whatever you want to call it i was actually planning how i was going to do it and suddenly everything in the room the whole room my body my hands everything was glowing from within as if with a light uh which it just stopped me in my tracks from what i was thinking and it was so startling that I just, it made me think, hey, look, there's something worth living for here. I don't know what it is, but that and a couple of other incidents that happened set me off on a, a spiritual exploration. So I, I would say there was what I was, I was what I would call a seeker after truth, that there is something more than this world is showing us. You know, this family that I was growing up in was not the whole story. There's, there's, there's something more to discover behind all of that. And that, and that spiritual exploration is actually about the quality of relationships that people have with each other. You know, spiritual mm. growth is not just an internal thing, you and the universe. It actually works out into the way you relate to other people as well. Yes. And it's, it's through that path of exploration that I've actually overcome the lack of trust that I've had in people. Mm. And progressively over the decades, I've actually learned to love people. Uh, they're quite nice, actually. There's a lot of variety. Uh, life is so much richer. My family, we've got a wonderful wife. Um, amazing how, you know, how she worked with me during my ups and downs of life. Yes, yes. Two lovely children. Uh, we've got four grandchildren. Um, and, you know, this, is, this really is the richness and the fullness of life. Um, and that's when I think about emotional logic, I don't think about things as all the negative bits now. My mind goes to the richness of life that can develop over time when you start to understand these emotions uh, not as barriers uh, or as part of the problem but in them there is something really important to learn about what's important in life and and, and move towards those relationships and the connections so you know of, of course my medicine has fed into understand it as well the way i understand the body's chemistry um, but the real root behind this this emotional logic um, is is that family background and the search yeah. to uh, to really get inside relationships more and then discover hey this is good yeah, thank you that's, thank that's you the background. I mean, thank you I mean as I was listening with what you were sharing and so so for many people uh, listening or watching right now bits of what he shared actually available on his book so emotional logic bits of his story yeah. and uh, his wife is also the author of this. Uh, book right yes. and we you talked about this uh and I, I I'm glad that you point or touch a little bit of the journey of the ins, uh, spiritual inspiration or spiritual mm. journey because <laughs> it, it's somehow like contradicting or paradoxical for other people that as being um, 
well, not scientific, but you believe in scientific research and all of that, but you mm-hmm. engage yourself with the spiritual journey and really allowing yourself to forgive as well. And now you love actually helping people and even interacting with people. And I just want to stress that out because obviously I'm not as into in-depth of spiritual journey, but I know how much it's a part of the life cycle. And you Absolutely. also mentioned about, and you know, to be honest with you, uh, Trevor, when I completed reading your book, I never really thought about how, as I used to say it, negative emotions could be part of useful and purpose in you know expansion of my life and so when I was learning and reading all the terminologies like that that make more sense and because you know many of us actually especially the kids uh, you have a lot of stories that you have shared on this book that I'm really really uh, recommending people to buy and purchase and grab this book because it's really helpful not only for yourself but also those people who really mean to you you talk about this for kids that they're not able to express what do they really feel but do they do know the term you know mm-hmm. and then yeah. spreading that card in front of that person that make them more easy to express what am I really feeling? And so I want us to walk us through now the emotion, um, mm-hmm. emotion logic, right? Emotional sure. logic. So how do you think, maybe you can share with us about this stepping stone cards that many people don't really aware about. They won't, know, they, they won't know them yet, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. I mean, this is the purpose for us to break it yeah. down. What is it really emotional logic and this comes with so many feelings into cards and how do you think just you know share with us maybe one part of the emotion in from this card and how this can be helpful for people Mm. to really express that um we talked about the values as well but i let you explain that Mm. yeah yeah thank you so um a lot of people uh remember the or know about um, the original research done on bereavement by Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, particularly in America, uh, the Kubler-Ross adjustment method is, is widely known. Um, she was a pioneer. Um, she, she matched people who actually had a diagnosis of terminal illness. They were going to die from their illness. She interviewed mm-hmm. them and found the sorts of emotions they were going through and described five what she called stages of adjustment to the fact that you're going to lose everything. Um, Mm. And uh, that has caught people's imaginations. The thing is, that was 1956. And there's been an awful lot of work since then in other settings. Now, in Britain, uh, a lot of work was done in the hospice movement for people who are being cared for, who had terminal illness, and in bereavement counselling. And there are other models that came up using uh, describing seven emotional states that people might experience as they're adjusting to the major a disturbance of terminal illness and, and bereavement as relatives die. Yeah. Now, we use that seven-step model, and I've added certain uh, ways to understand how those seven adjustment states actually fit together to make one integrated adjustment process, which mm-hmm. doesn't only happen when someone's dying, whether you're dying or facing the death of a close relative, but anything that you value in life, Anything that's important to you that you feel a bit bonded to, 
that if you lost it, you would feel disturbed. Yeah, that sense of disturbance. I mean, this can even be a wallet, you know, but very often a treasured thing like a, a pen that somebody gave you that has special significance for you. It doesn't yeah. mean anything to anybody else, but yeah. to you it does, right? If you lost that, you would experience a grief reaction, a loss reaction. And yeah. that loss reaction would potentially have those seven, we call them emotional stepping stones, not stages, because you don't go through them in a sequence. Yeah, you bounce yeah. around all over them. Yeah, I love and that's that. really important. Yeah, mm -hmm. so, so knowing that these don't happen in any particular order, but because of my interest in biochemistry and chemistry of the body, and I know that these emotional states are physical, they're your body chemistry preparing you to either move towards a situation or move away from it in a mm. situation. Emotion is energy in motion. It's pre-verbal. It's before your top of your brain sticks names on what you're experiencing. It's happening yeah. right in the core of your brain gearing your whole body up this embodiment um, is what it's all about gearing your whole person up to move towards or away from situations that you're engaged with which are challenging your values challenging what's important to you it yeah. might be challenging your life yeah but it might just be challenging that pen or the fact that you've got a job that's at risk or yeah. uh you know a, a son or a daughter is running into problems somewhere you know you'll be disturbed and these emotions will activate within you and here's the key to it you only know what you really value when you see a risk that you might lose it. Mm. You only know what you value when you see a risk that you might use it. If I were to say to you, tell me what your values are, you know, most people on being asked that question will look a little bit confused and say, I don't know what you mean, really. Um, food, a fun, you know, roof over my head um, and so on. But, but if I say in this situation that you're facing, what are you worried you might lose? And once people adjust and just start thinking like that, suddenly a list of half a dozen things that they might lose props out. Yeah. If, you, if you're going to lose a job, uh, all right. So not only the money, right, but it's also meeting people at the work. It's a reason to get up in the morning. Yeah, it's your wife's respect. You know, it, identity. It's, <laughs> yeah, yeah, all of that. Now we make a list of those. Yeah, yeah, the things that you're worried you might lose. And when we got that list, we say to people, you know, You'd only name those as losses if they were things that you value. So what you've done is you've actually written a list of your values. Friends are important to you. Promotion's important to you. Your wife's respect is important to you. Yeah. This is who you are as a person. This is your identity. This yes. is why you need your react in the world. Yeah. And, and emotional logic, actually, what it does is it goes through the emotions. We map the emotions. Mm -hmm. But once we've mapped those, we go through those to name the losses, reinterpret those as your personal values, yeah. and then it moves on to an action plan, pick one of those values, and in the midst of this situation, work out an action plan that will preserve just that one value. Yeah, and that simplifies the situation that you're facing in a mm -hmm. values-focused way. So what you do harnesses all that emotional energy that's churning around into putting that action plan into effect. So rather than getting stuck with a whole load of overwhelming, what people call negative emotion, just feeling mm. horrible and terrible, I don't know what to do other than act out, you know, just explode or hide away. Um, rather than doing that, people can say, well, hang on a moment, this is important to me, and I'm mm -hmm. going to harness this feeling that I've got 
into this action plan. I'm going to pick up the phone and talk to this person. I'm going to go around to my neighbor and explain what's what's important to me about this situation. Mm -hmm. Um, And it simplifies the action. So emotional logic is actually solution focused. It's, it's It's about the action plan. But how do you know what you're going to be acting on? You've got to name it as a value. Well, you only know it's a value because you feel a sense of loss. That means you need to understand your loss emotions. So we track it back like that. You know, although we start from looking at the emotions, it works its way onto the action plan at the end of it. And as I started talking to my patients uh, in my general <laughs> practice, you know, 25 years ago now, um, <laughs> they got it. They, 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 they just suddenly thought, hey, I can do this. Um, you know, we started, we started mapping the emotions and agreeing this is the important thing. This is the single most important thing that you want to work on. Because uh, and that meant that they could explain that to somebody else. And so not only did someone's inner emotional world settle down, right, because yeah. they, they had a purpose now, they understood themselves and they had a purpose, but they could explain it to somebody else. And therefore, mm-hmm. the relationship settled down as well. Yeah. Because, because the, the problem before is that our emotions are sending out social messages. And if we're overwhelmed with a whole load of unpleasant emotion, people just pick up, this person's confused. Hey, this is risky. Step back. What's going on here? Yeah. But as soon as somebody can harness that into something yeah. they understand and say, look, this is what's really important to me in this. Can we, can we talk about this? Can we find some way of settling over this? Relationships improve as well. Yes. Yeah. So, so, and this is, this is really what I find is the actual beauty of emotional logic is it moves out from within you into those relationships and you just, you just see things change yeah, in people's mm-hmm. lives, you know? Um, and when the relationships settle down, everything in life becomes more sustainable. There's more joy, yeah. you know, because the grief, all those unpleasant emotions, are there to move you back to discover the joy of love as well yeah yeah so so that's that's basically emotional logic yeah yes and before i forget while i'm listening to you and then i mean i I have this flashback on the book itself that one of the, the good things which i'm also like advocating that when you feel anxious or depression many people will just suggest take this antidepressant take this medicine and Hmm. For those people watching or listening right now, if you grab the book, you'll understand that many of the stories that uh, uh, Trevor and his uh, wife, Marian, uh, shared that many of their loved ones suggested, go to see therapists, take antidepressants. Then some people would suggest, see Dr. Trevor and Marian and see they have this emotional logic, perhaps we could understand and and, uh, move forward and find the solution. As you said, it's an action, it's a solution based. And in the end, you found through the stories that you have shared, they don't need those things. And I love that because I think I want to to hear your uh, point of view on this, where a lot of people nowadays find Mm -hmm. it more easy to take the medicine, suppress that for short term, and don't attend to that emotions that we think it's negative. Therefore, there's nothing that it could help us. What's your what's your point of view on that? Yeah, well, this is one of the real sort of drivers for me wanting to to do something um, in this whole area. In fact, I'll tell you the story that actually tripped off the whole thing. So a patient came to see me uh, who's recently bereaved. 
And she told me the story that she was walking along the main street in the town where we live called Ivy Bridge. And somebody was walking towards her who was a friend. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And this friend saw her and then crossed the street to the other side and walked by without acknowledging her. And I thought, what? And realized that people feel so inadequate to know how to talk about these emotions in a constructive way or to connect with somebody who's bereaved. They're, they're worried they might make it worse. They're worried they're just going to stutter and, and, and fall and, and so on. And, um, now, that bereaved person had come along to see me asking for antidepressants. Um, and I thought, this is crazy. You know, the, antidepressants don't work against grief. Now, I, that we can later on perhaps come on to explain how healthy grieving, a healthy loss reaction gets twisted around into a state where it gets stuck. And you can get multiple patterns of stuckness all pack, packing together. And that does harm the body chemistry. And when it harms the body chemistry, then you're into what we call clinical depression, the, the medical diagnosis. I am not against the use of antidepressants when you've got a clinical yeah. depression. The genuine people, uh, their chemistry is stuck, not just their thoughts, not just their emotions going round and round, um, and they're feeling a bit blue and low and hopeless and so on. That level of it is what I would call an adjustment reaction. Mm -hmm. you know, you've had a disappointment, you've had a setback, you've had a hurt. You don't know how to handle it. You're challenged beyond your previous experience to know what to do. You're not yeah. ill. You're just you're just distressed. You've got illness and distress. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And emotional logic definitely works at the level of distress and tension and confusion, where relationships are getting disturbed and troubled. Emotional logic will sort that, right? Where the chemistry has got stuck. Um, and it's beginning to have profound effects on appetite, on general engagement with life. Three months of antidepressants is brilliant. It, what it does is it recharges the body chemistry to get the brain to a point where it can learn. The question is, what, what do you need to learn? As you're coming out of this very stuck chemical state in your brain and in your body, what do you need to learn to prevent yourself going back into it again? What do you need to learn to be able to handle the situations that were troubling you in a new way? So emotional logic can help to prevent recurrences of mm. a genuine clinical depression. It, and there is a place, it does work alongside other therapies, cognitive behavioral therapy. They're like two halves of, 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 of a process. I, I, again, I could explain that a bit more, but the, the point being that if you imagine there are genuine mental illnesses, but they have a knock-on impact into the way you look at yourself, the way you have lack of self-belief, the lack of confidence to relate to other people. Um, emotional logic will work in that area of relational connection, no matter mm -hmm. what the diagnosis is in the background. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it helps people to engage. That's the main outcome. It's improved responsiveness in relationships and improved yeah. connection. Sleep pattern improves rapidly because there's less tension keeping you awake at night. Yes. Um, and, and it's preventive about running into the same sorts of problems again. Yeah. yeah. So, so, so I, I'm not anti-medication. I am anti-using medication for anything. And I yes. know what it's like as a GP, as a doctor, you're busy, right? You've got a waiting room <laughs> full of people or you know, a whole queue of people now online waiting to have a, an online consultation. 
And somebody says, look, I think I need some antidepressants. It's very easy to say, well, here you are, next patient. You know, I and mean, it's it saves time. It's a simple solution, um, but it's no solution in the long run. You know, that person, a lot of people are getting side effects because they don't actually need the drug. So they get more side effects than beneficial effect. Um, and, and so careful use of medication for anxiety states, for depressive states, Yes, and please, if you're on medication, don't just stop it. Um, but do, if you're able to learn, if you're able to concentrate, and there are things online where you can watch, watch videos as well, start learning about your emotional dynamics while you're mm -hmm. recovering, as you're on those antidepressants. Only start to reduce those with direction from a doctor, um, where as you're beginning to see a way through to understand yourself, and understand the situation and understand other people better and then it's a safe process yeah so yeah. um yeah it's very easy for overworked professionals just to you know dish out the pills and and keep things moving um but uh, it does need a bit longer um I, again i could say a little bit too much but um to get into emotional conversations a, a doctor doesn't really have time to give that level of concentration. That's why I'm now out of medicine. I'm training emotional logic coaches. And yes. they're now in all five continents around the world. Where, you know, it's, it catches on in every, in every culture. Um, and so people who can give longer to a conversation, it's not therapy, right? It is lifelong learning. It is a personal development method. It, yes. it builds up inner resources to handle any situation and to respond in, in those situations. So, um, yeah, I mean, we can, you know, we, we can help to direct people to, to coaches. Yeah. We'd love to train more. Um, it's yes, like an extra yeah. skill you can add in on, on other things, whatever your profession you're in. It's an extra strict skill you can add in. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, <laughs> those like three to four minutes, uh, the last three to four <laughs> minutes that uh, Trevor just uh, shared or, or uh, explained coming from uh, who studied neuroscience and medicine just want to reiterate he's not we are not against I'm I'm totally with you I'm not against any medication mm -hmm. if it's necessary and I love you mentioned just be careful and I love the fact that also you're expanding this emotional logic into emotional logic coaching because yeah. that's where people can have more time to work on themselves, to understand how to express, how to, to share the emotion, emotional, whatever that may be, and really working on how to deal with it or respond with it. And so everyone, yeah. um, this is super, I would say super mm -hmm. powerful and profound conversation already. And I think like, we can have like two, three hours just to dive in with a yes, lot of emotions yeah. that people, including myself and yourself, what we're going through in this busy world. And but anyway, we have plenty of other episodes we can dive in a specific conversation. So I have a next question for you, uh, Trevor. Mm -hmm. uh, you mentioned in this chapter nine, I believe, in this book about manipulation related with that mm -hmm. manipulation. And, yes. uh, you know, Many people, especially those, I would say, didn't have a proper upbringing. They don't have a proper role model. I believe this is where the manipulation or brainwash is so super easy. You also talk about really this uh, 
Good try. De-radicalization. That's right. De-radicalization. There you go. Yeah. There go. <laughs> Where a lot of people really, I think, in my opinion, just because I think it's also be part of belongingness. And oh, therefore, when you you don't have any part of belongingness, you allow yourself to be what we we don't know we are already being manipulated for those people who already knew how to brainwash yeah. and so i want you to dive in first for many people even though we do understand the meaning of manipulation i would like you to uh, define what is really manipulation in your understanding and how this emotional logic can help mm. for those people being trapped and feeling yeah. that i can't get out of here this is yeah. my world now. I love your input for that. Mm. Yeah, big question. Um, <laughs> so to, to start the answer to this, I need to mention a concept um, that we've discovered by having these card sorting methods that people rather than, you know, we say, don't tell me how you feel, use these cards to show me how you feel. And that cuts through a part of the, the top part of the brain into mm. a core part of the brain because you're physically handling cards or on a screen you can do this on a, a whiteboard on the screen as you move the mouse you're you're engaging with your emotional content yeah, yeah. but you're putting it into a physical movement rather than trying to put a name on it yeah um so it's a different brain process that's going on and it connects with the inner heart much more effectively and when people move these cards around so there are seven what we call orange cards which are the core emotional states that make this adjustment process, you don't have to use all of them in making the pattern, only the ones you actually recognize you experience mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. in this situation. But there's a whole galaxy of what we call feelings of emotion around that, because the core ones are inbuilt genetically to help our adjustment to challenging situations. But when our own appreciation of what we're going through inside ourselves, you know, emotions start off quickly and then we realize we're having an emotion is that okay mm. you know suddenly you realize i'm embarrassed i'm i'm you know i'm i'm going to get red what's going on here you know so you start thinking about your emotional responses afterwards and as you start thinking about it it activates memories and that bringing together of memories with the actual experience of emotion that you're having now gives each unique person a totally different feeling or maybe not totally different but a very unique personal feeling mm -hmm. of what this emotion means for me so if i was brought up in a household where anger was dangerous okay when i encounter a situation where i'm beginning to feel a bit of anger right i will think danger right um other people who've been brought up in a household that works much better with anger as, as a way of starting off conversations uh, about what's important um later on in life that anger won't carry the same association it will feel different as you experience it yeah so the world of feelings when you're talking about feelings can separate people because what one person describes is different to what another person is describing yeah, yeah? Mm -hmm. now these patterns that we do we map those feelings as well and what we found is that the sort of chaotic states that all of this emotion and feelings of emotion get into some people can't cope with the chaos and they narrow their emotional experience down to maybe just two out of those seven emotional stepping stones. So 
just as an example, this is a simple one to begin with, right? I interviewed lots of people who are getting chronic fatigue syndrome uh, called ME, yeah? Mm -hmm. um, and time and again, they were getting lots of shock and lots of depression and no anger. Yeah, that pattern was occurring over and over and over and over again. And this is how I started to recognize what I call whirlpools of lost wow. emotion. These mm -hmm. people are going round and round between shock and depression, shock and depression, right? And the body chemistry gets stuck in the hormone state of shock and the hormone state of depression, traps the body in this state where it's, all the energy just disappears. Mm -hmm. yeah. And it harms the immune system because there's a lot of steroid hormone flying around as well. Yeah. Um, and so the immune system isn't working so well. So you generally do get ill. Yeah, you can pick up all sorts of illnesses um, and yeah. in chronic yeah. fatigue. So um, I started mapping these and different pairings of emotions have different impacts on behavior. So that shock and depression, if you get shock and anger together, people can't think clearly. They get confused. They feel above themselves, looking down on themselves as if they've gone into some sort of automaton state and so on. If you get anger and guilt together, people get obsessional and compulsive. Uh, you get self-harming behavior, um, eating disorders, and so on from from these this and it's purely grief, overwhelming grief. that people have simplified it so they're not so overwhelmed, but they make what's called a maladaptive response to it. You know, I know I may not like being a self-harmer, but I know at least I know who I am. I can cope with this tension. I know what to yeah. do. Yeah. Now we can help people to come out of all of that by by mapping this. Now, all of that is an explanation to get round to answering the question that you put to me about manipulation, mm -hmm. because there is one particular whirlpool that is extremely powerful to drive people's behavior. And that is when anger, which drives you out into the world to try and prevent the loss of something, when anger ties up with depressive emptiness. So depressive emptiness, the chemistry of depressive emptiness is sending you inwards. Take a step back from the world. Reflect mm -hmm. on what's going on. You've seen your limits. You, you're not coping in this situation. Something's wrong. Yeah. When anger drives your chemistry to go out into the world to do something, and you've got a lot of depressive emptiness saying, I'm weak, I'm powerless, there's something wrong. Right. Mm -hmm. The anger gets turned back onto the depression. And you get what, we, what I call an irrational action drive to take any action you can out in the world. To stop feeling powerless and empty. Yes. Yeah? You're driven to do something and it leads people into destructive drives. Smash it up. Smash this window. Throw something across the room. Kick the dog. You know, but it leads to confrontational behavior. And sadly, if turned inwards against oneself, can lead to suicidal drives. You know, top it. Just end it. Just, you know, I've had enough. I'm out. Yeah. That sort of outrage uh, expression that I've had. I'm not convinced that suicidal drives are actually what's called a cry for help. They're, they're more like a, a, a cry of outrage. This is just no good. Life is not good. Yeah. So mm -hmm. but maybe, maybe that's, don't need to say that too much. But I can map this. And we know from working with people, adults and teenagers, who had suicidal thoughts in schools, but as soon as they can see that it's a twist in a healthy grieving process, a healthy loss reaction process to things that you value that have been challenged. Mm -hmm. So it's entirely reasonable 
you know, we, we map these things. And then, you know, people say, well, no wonder I feel ill, right? Or no wonder I feel bad. And we say, well, if you didn't feel bad, there'd be something wrong, wouldn't you? Because you've got so much going on. Yeah. But if you understand the healthy adjustment process underneath it, you actually are no longer a victim of your emotions. You gain the power of choice over how to manage those emotions. Yeah, you grow in the power of choice. And that transforms people's lives. People who are struggling with suicidal thoughts because life's pointless and hopeless and I can't see any way out, suddenly realize if I can name the losses, reinsert them as my values, take action on just one value, you know, in this next week, I'm going to try and contact this friend who I haven't seen for six months, you know. And so, yeah. Trevor, sorry to cut you. It just yeah. uh, popped into my mind as you were saying about this. I'm just curious, have you ever experienced whereby somebody recommended someone that they felt that it may be good to uh, um, speak with you and go through with this emotional logic, even though they, even though they, that person, we call it like patient, uh, has been really trapped of believing that this is my world. Have you ever experienced that? And I mean, because I'm super curious, uh, hmm. how did you ever come to understand, because you have an expertise, you have background as well, that when you try the emotional logic through that one session or two sessions, and you see that nothing is changing, how do you know that after maybe a one or two sessions of going through the emotional logic that that person require clinical assistance instead? Uh, we would, um, in one sense, I suppose, in the early discovery days of it, because I was in clinical medicine, um, uh, I, could, I, I could maybe, you just get an intuitive sense that, that okay. somebody is is stuck but see while you the way the national health service was working at the time i would be referring people to the psychological services or the psychiatric services mm. and they would go onto a waiting list and they could be on that waiting list for nine months a year before they actually got assessed yeah. so we actually did some research on people who are on a waiting list for psychological therapies we offered them emotional logic lifelong learning and we, we just saw remarkable changes. So that out of 53 people who we, we offered them uh, this, this um, emotional logic learning, only three went on to need therapy afterwards. Only three. Wow. And, and by following through those people who, who had these, this, this lifelong learning intervention, some of them had remarkable changes. We've, we've mapped it as a graph that I can show you. A, a massive improvements in their what health scores never don't worry about interpreting that <laughs> but you know the dot goes from here right up to there um yeah. and those those are where you just in a total change of identity and people would say you know people who were withdrawn uh self-deprecating pointless not caring for themselves came back glowing say and saying amazing if only i'd known this 20 years ago life would have been so different wow you know? um so so it was in that process of discovery seeing mm. people who are on waiting lists that we got a confidence that very much of what is referred for mm -hmm. specialist therapy actually is complex grieving unrecognized grieving and if people could understand it 
then their lives will sort out. But of course, along the way, I mean, three out of those 53 did go on for therapy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And there are others who maybe would have benefited. There's no, I'm not anti-therapy. Um, I'm just saying an awful lot of people are sitting around waiting for it and paying an awful lot of money um, for, for what is not actually um, getting to the core issue, which is that we've all got values. We've all got things that are important to us. And when they get challenged, we will grieve. But if you don't recognize it as grief, and if you call it illness, because I just don't feel good, you're stuck, <laughs> you're in trouble because someone's going to get money out of you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Offering like you a therapy. Just... I just uh, just remind me uh, reminded me of this. I don't know if it's uh, the recent news uh, about mm -hmm. 250 people, kids or children that being denied for medical service. Have you heard that in in UK? I haven't heard that particular um, story, but uh, but it doesn't surprise <laughs> me. To be on, to be honest, really terrible things are happening in the National Health Service in the United Kingdom at the moment. So there's all sorts of not good stories around. Yeah. Yeah, because then so what, 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 what is the issue that you you see? No, I just before? saw I just saw the the highlight. Uh, I'm not yeah. sure whether it's 250 or 250 thousand uh, people that being denied to have the medical service, and of course, why it brought into my mind it's because obviously there could be other ways, as I know that the waiting, <laughs> the yeah. waiting in UK for any services actually takes months or oh, a year terrible. or two yeah, so absolutely. i think this is a very uh um like i would say yeah. a great message to everyone who's watching or listening right now if you are based in uk and if you have enough staff that could assist them probably this is the way for them to reach out to you you know mm. probably it could be university school whatever a small community or health center that could reach out to you and perhaps could help these kids or these people to really work on what kind of assistance, mm -hmm. which I believe most of us, if not the, the thing that we are going through right now has been related with emotions. Yeah. Because absolutely. the technology, uh, if we don't use it in the right way, it could really isolate us and make us feel really alone. Now that's thank you for saying that. That is actually one of the key tripping points. When you get to feel isolated with this, you're on a downward path. Yeah. And so so that's why emotional logic can be so powerful for some people. What I would say about what you might have read, I'm very aware of what happens in the mental health services in, in the United Kingdom. There's a whole branch called the Child and Adolescent Mental Health Services, abbreviated to CAMS, Child and Adolescent Mental Health Services. I was involved in trying to develop those many, many years ago. I've been out of it mm. now for 30 years um, out of that particular branch of it. Um, but I have watched that decline um, and they are so overwhelmed with referrals from schools that basically the staff in CAMS cracked up, right? So 90% of the staff in the trial and adolescent mental health services are off sick, mm -hmm. right? So what happens is the schools refer people who've got, the young people who've got mental health problems of different sorts and the CAM service say, sorry, we can't take you on. We can only take the most severe people. And because yeah. the most severe people don't easily get better, the few remaining CAMS workers remain vastly overworked. Mm. So they bounce people back to the school saying, sorry, we can't handle this. You'll have to handle it yourself. Now, what yeah. I'd like to say is we are very fortunate that we've got two former head teachers of primary schools who are our school's leads. And we have dedicated schools programs. We've got 
materials for children from the age of five right the way through, concentrating on transition from primary to secondary. We know that we can change children's lives and that we can support teachers as well in the process. And so this is this is one of our major programs we want to get going. We're, we're in, I don't know, well over 100 schools in the UK at the moment, but I'm not sure how many. Uh, and we can take on more training of that. You know, we, 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 we have got sort of the resource to do. So we've, we particularly want to be working in schools, primary and secondary, um, mm-hmm. because it works through the children to the parents. That's and true. the relationship between parents and teachers can improve when at yeah. the same time. This is the knock-on effect of people understanding the emotions differently yeah, and connecting yeah. what was called negative emotions, which we call unpleasant <laughs> emotions, connecting unpleasant emotions to values. Let's talk about the values. What's important yeah. to me as a parent? What's important to you as a teacher? Can we match these and, and find a way through this without me shouting at you and telling, telling you you're the worst thing in the world? You know, so, so relationships can become more cooperative. Yes. Um, so there, there are major problems with the National Health Service and it's bouncing back into the community. And therefore this personal development method, which does develop an inner strength and inner resilience um, mm-hmm. to handle any new situation. Now, what I'd like to do if I could, is come back to where we started on this thing of talking about whirlpools, because you raised the subject of manipulation, and it is huge. It is, and I really would like yeah. to say something about how to resist manipulation, because I just got around to talking about the anger, depression whirlpool, and how it drives people to destructive behaviour, or even mm-hmm. to suicidal thoughts. Mm-hmm. And um, I'd seen a lot of this around with people, and we knew from our school's work that teenagers could stop their self-harming and stop their suicidal thoughts very quickly once they learned emotional logic. And I suddenly thought, now at the time, there was a lot um, of radicalization of people to religious extremism, um, and there was a lot of suicide bombing going on around the world in different locations. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was, I got involved with an organization that was trying to work with Al-Shabaab in Kenya. Um, and, mm-hmm. uh, and there was an organization that was going onto the streets in, uh, in Northeast London, um, mm-hmm. working with gangs of, uh, young, young, of youths who were disaffected and taking emotional logic to them and teaching them about this anger, depression, whirlpool and how not to, not to, um, get trapped into it. Because that's the whirlpool that manipulators use, mm-hmm. right? And we found that it worked there. The people who were involved in that were also involved in de-radicalization of prisoners, of convicted terrorists who were in prison and were going through rehabilitation programs. Mm-hmm. And they said, they affirmed for me, yes, these are the emotions that happen with radicalizers and, and with terrorists. They are rapidly brought to feel angry about a certain situation. This is an outrageous situation. You know, I really do think that some people are causing a whole load of trouble. And then someone can say to you, look, you, so, you know, this, all this religious oppression that's going on, you know, you surely you should join the religion and resist it, you know, uh, and, and fight back and so on. But of course, on your own, you're completely powerless, aren't you? You know, there's nothing yeah. you can do. You're a victim of the whole thing. They're, they're pressure up, they're oppressing you. And so they jointly make you feel powerless on your own and mm-hmm. angry. So it's, yeah. And that combination of the two just means that they can get a 
a handle on your life by talking to you, they can twist your emotions into a drive that will make you want to be destructive. Yeah. I will leave behind all my, all my friends in North London and I will go to a foreign country and I will dress up in a suicide vest and I will blow myself up in order to destroy the oppressors who I've been made to feel so angry about. And it, it made so much sense. When, when, when these de-radicalization services realized that it's the chemistry of the, the emotions that is trapping them, they said this could explain how it was they couldn't work out how people mm -hmm. could be radicalized to become suicide bombers within like a month or three months, you know, from a completely normal life before, yes. where they're willing to leave behind a career, settle home and so on, join an extremist group, go abroad and commit an outrage. Um, but, it, but it's the chemistry that happens, it's the emotional chemistry. Now, that combination of feeling angry about a situation and empty and powerless at the same time yes. is used by manipulators in any and every setting. So at the time that I was getting involved with these terrorist, you know, anti-terrorist organizations, my wife, Marion, was getting involved more with trafficking of young girls. And, wow. and it's, the same, it's the same whirlpool that the manipulators uh, twist young girls into, making them angry about the way their parents behave, angry about the school, angry about their prospects in society and then telling them on your own you're powerless but look come with me and we'll take you to a party you'll be able to ignore it you know we, we but join our gang you know and the next thing um they're being drawn into both drug use and yeah. sexual um manipulations and sexual use in various ways um and and again in that area People were amazed. Why is it that these girls who come from previously settled homes become so committed to the manipulator, to the abuser? But they, mm -hmm. they do, they become really, and they would rather go back to the abuser than back yeah. to their home. And, and it's this emotional whirlpool, which is cutting deeper than their reasoning, right? Mm -hmm. It drives them into just a, a move to seek the person out. They become their place of safety, even though it's not safe at all. You know, I hope I hope I'm not saying too much. I hope I'm no, making, no. Making sense here. <laughs> but, but the other thing that's going on at the moment um, is County Lines uh, drug dealing. Uh, lots of young people are being uh, excluded from school for bad behaviour. They end up out on the streets during the day, and drug drug users, drug drug dealers, um, pick them up. And and they transport drugs across police boundaries, so it's very difficult to track the gangs um, and draw them into all sorts of problems. And it's exactly the same uh, manipulation that's used. So, yeah. but also, it's what bullies do, isn't it? In schools, any simple <laughs> bit of bullying, you know. Yes, what about yes, yes. a boss? Yeah, a boss who wants to you know build up their sense of power and is yeah. is bullying uh, an employee underneath it. It's the same thing, you know. The the scale, although. We discover these at the extreme scales, what I call the rough end of emotional literacy. Um, you know, we discover that, but then it scales right down. It's happening in homes. It's happening in neighborhoods. It's happening in local golf clubs. It's, you know, there are power dynamics everywhere. And the people who know how to move people's emotions can put them into this combination 
and then they can just sort of steer their lives whichever way they want to. So the way emotional logic works is as soon as you realize that these drives come from your grieving that you've got values, and this mm. is what the abusers will tell you you haven't got, you haven't got any values, you're just a victim, you're just being knocked around, yeah. you know, like a pawn in a, in a big game. And as soon as people realize, no, I do have values, that's why I'm grieving, yeah? One of our coaches has made a T-shirt. It says, because I have values, that means I'm a person of value. Mm-hmm. And that's what happens is people suddenly get greater self-respect. Respect, yeah. And as soon as you get that self-respect, you can recognize when someone's telling you a lie or, you know, no, that's not quite true. You, you've got a greater intuition about the relational mm-hmm. dynamic. You know, your greater self-assurance that what I'm feeling, this sort of caution that I'm feeling is genuinely telling me something. My values yeah. are strong enough to give me a sense of caution about this person who's telling me what I think is a lie. And and it might give you enough courage to say to that person, I think you're lying to me. You know, <laughs> I don't believe you. Sorry, it's, it's not like that, actually. Um, and as soon as a manipulator gets that sort of a response, they're off. They're not going to have yeah. any success here. Yeah. So, so you know, the, the, it's when they're, they're looking for people who have got low self-regard, Who's, who can be made to feel angry and empty at the same time, then they've got you. Yeah, uh, I think the, we, yeah, sorry. To The key point here for people out there who are feeling whatever the emotions they're, they're feeling, it, it, it goes to disconnection of the true values that they're having. And this yes. is why I am a big believer and advocating or promoting, um, you know, practicing, developing self-awareness, because we truly have that uh, values or core values that we slowly, you know, uh, generate as we have these experiences in life. And then we started to realize what are those values that really define who we are internally. And of course, with the, with the influence of the society, this is whereby if you get disconnected with your core values over time and over time deep inside of you again that immune system uh, will start to kick in that the negative uh, self-talk would uh, would start to kick in and I think this is why I'm a very visual person so when I saw the cards it's like oh that's wonderful you know I think it's very workable for a lot of creative people but it doesn't have to be strictly for um, creative people but I think it's it's a great way to express your emotion and uh, really not diving into it, like what you said that, you know, mm. talking about the past, but really action, solution yes. focused, yeah. which I love. Now, of course, we can talk on and on and on and diving into this emotional logic, but I think everyone getting it and I, I'm the one, you know, really super super uh, not aggressive but loving to promote this book because thank you you know <laughs> uh dr trevor and marian or dr marian very generously sharing all the resources and tools in this book and even even where you can reach where you can uh connect with them and other support system that they could help you so 
I know that we we have a really really short period of time now, <laughs> so <Okay>. I have <laughs> like. Uh, but I want to really uh, uh, say thank you for this opportunity of you allowing me of sharing your um, mission. Of I can really sense how much you you really dedicating your life and time to encourage more people on on you know helping yourself of expressing the emotions because that really really eventually will help them to feel peace ease and like what you said uh, come through strong after whatever oh, the pain that they're experiencing and so now i'm super curious you know because i'm a very optimistic person and <laughs> i i believe you too because i don't think <laughs> yeah. if if you're not then i don't think you will be able to sustain doing this for a very long time of your life and uh, you've been exposed with anti-terrorist projects trafficking and so on and so forth so how do you keep yourself optimistic trevor well um <laughs> there's actually quite a simple answer to that um I mean, there's, no, there's two aspects to it, but the, I mean, the first one is if I were to, just to mention that what I call spiritual experience that I had that showed me there is something more. And, and that is a continuing lively belief and hope that mm. I know that there is something beautiful behind the ugliness that this world can get twisted into. I know that. I've seen yeah. it. It's transformed my life. Um, I know that most people can't see it. I know that I don't see it most of the time, but I know there is beauty behind all of this ugliness. And, um, and I know that the ugliness can be transformed. Now, this is, this is the other reason why I keep the optimism. Having trained emotional object coaches to use the same basic educational method um, to help people understand how their unpleasant emotions can be part of the solution, not part of the problem, yeah. Mm -hmm. And I get stories. We still have continuing uh, follow up meetings on Zoom. People all over the world, are, are join, you know, join in. Um, and I hear the stories of change. And when I know that there's somebody that I've trained who's trained somebody else and that person has had exactly the same response with somebody that they've been working with one to one, you know, mm -hmm. whose life has been transformed. And the, the stories of transformation that I hear, you, I get such a buzz from that. It's almost as if I was there with them, seeing yeah. the lights go on in their eyes. Because I've, I've just seen that. I've just seen the lights go on in people's eyes. And oh, if only I'd known this before. Or this has made such a difference. Or this has set my son free as well. And I explained to them about it. And that roll-on effect of one person sharing it with another. Uh, and them getting the same sense of liberation and hope and energy to explore something new. I get a real buzz from that. And that's yeah. what keeps me optimistic. Because every one of these experiences is a little seed of hope that mm -hmm. the big system could shift. If I just look at the big systems and the people who are making power decisions around the world, you could easily despair. And a lot of young people are despairing when they're looking at climate, they're looking at conflict, uh, population shifts. It's, yeah, it doesn't look good. But I know that into that, we can seed a real sense of hope and vision and belief that if by cooperating, we can form into small groups that can support each other and that we can actually thrive even in the midst of deteriorating circumstances. Mm -hmm. That's where my hope is. And that's how I keep optimistic. 
that I'm not, I'm, I'm going to be honest, I'm not actually optimistic about the whole world. Right? I think we're <laughs> in very difficult times, nearly, yeah. seriously, I think we really are. But in the midst of that, I believe we can see uh, genuine, realistic hope that by cooperating, understanding these emotions, not as signs of failure and weakness and not being self-critical about it, but by saying, hang on, this means we've got values. Come on, we're going to build on a future on these values, right? Mm -hmm. And that works. That is what survival is about. It moves from survival to thriving. And, yeah. and that's what keeps me optimistic that in the small scale, we really can transform people's lives and, and help to build sort of groups and supportive networks amongst people. So that's, yeah, that's what keeps me buzzing. <laughs> Thank you. I love the fact that you mentioned that, you know, even because I'm a big believer that when you genuinely and honestly wanting to make an impact into this planet or to the people, simple one person, because that one person will ripple effect, especially if they, of course, they want to transform as well. And they yeah. saw the change. They saw the development in their lives why would you keep it to yourself you're going to share it and that's why i always say knowledge is only powerful when you share it yeah um, so that's really good yeah, <laughs> so I like this that. is why I like <laughs> when yeah. i when i found what's your mission and the project that you've been doing i'm like i want to bring him in of course um we would like to take it slowly slowly but i am always a big believer that even a small act of kindness even a small act of empowering people that's still a big a big push and a step to to you know empower and make a difference in this world which is some what i'm advocating which is what you're so. about absolutely <laughs> so right. Trevor, thank you so much for this time and um unfortunately we are running out of time but before i let you go i want you to share with people how they can reach you where they can grab your book and what else other services that you could help other people in in this aspect the the services they need mm. well well thank you very much for you know the opportunity to talk this through to share like this um probably one of the easiest ways to contact me so I have a, a, a website, which is a blog site. Um, it's called relatedness.net. Um, so if you go onto that site, there's a contact page uh, and you can a contact form and you can put a message through on there. So I can I can pick up messages. You could you could uh, basically through that sign up for a newsletter um, and I you know I can keep in contact. So that that's the best way of contacting me personally. That that site looks a little bit more widely at the mm -hmm. place of emotional logic in human development. But if you want direct help from emotional logic, if you want to consider joining a course to learn about it with other people, or if you're looking for one-to-one -one or, or work with a couple or a small family, go. Um, if you just email office or uh, office at emotionallogiccenter.org.uk, now that's the UK spelling of center, C-E-N-T-R-E, but yeah. all one yeah. string, <laughs> emotionallogiccenter.org.uk um you can look it up on google but it, uh, there's a few other cookie things that just say emotional logic but emotional logic center will take you to the right place um you will get a response and um we, you know we would we, there, there are lots of things on the shop as well that you can learn at your own pace at home um or join in a course ultimately it's a conversational skill 
So there really is good reason to consider signing up for a foundation award course because you mm -hmm. learn with other people and, and so we, we keep the connections going uh, afterwards so, so people feel they're, they're part of something. Um, so it's overcoming that isolation feature again as well. But those are the, those are the two main ways that uh, I'm, I'm there on LinkedIn as well. Um, but those are the two main, main ways of contacting. That would be awesome. Great. And do not be worried because I'm going to put that on my blog, on my podcast, on the YouTube. So everyone could have access, whatever that may be the time. And uh, thank you. Thank you so much for this opportunity. Once again, uh, Trevor, I really, really appreciate this time and your input and your your dedication and time on promoting all the things that you're expert with and still learning how to help people. So for everyone watching or listening right now, Trevor and I would like and would love to know what's your insight or takeaway from this conversation. And as I'm a big believer, we talked about it, solution focus, what specific one action would you like to take? from the insight that you have learned from this episode. And if you wish to see Trevor once again in this Empower Your Life, don't hesitate to drop your comments below. And we would love to hear, to read all your comments and we'll take it from there. And also remember, stay on your game. Believe in yourself, take action. Do not be worried what the noise is telling you to do because I'm a big believer. Trevor is a big believer that when you Commit yourself, believe in yourself, take action bit by bit. You have the power to make or create the life that you deserve and love. So thank you. Thank you so much, everybody. Until then, Cindy Marie here to empower your life. Thank you, Trevor. And thank you. Thanks. It's been marvelous talking with you. Thank you. Wasn't that amazing and super incredible and rich episode that we just got with Dr. Trevor Griffiths. Now, if you enjoy the episode as I do, please share this episode who you would think need to hear and share encouragement for whatever situation they're currently at. The more you share, the more we can empower more people's lives. As I said, knowledge is more powerful if we share it. So go ahead and share it and let's empower more people together. And don't forget to hit subscribe button too so you won't miss any of the upcoming episodes. Until then, please remember to stay optimistic, keep taking action, and believe in yourself. Be relentless, stay on your game because you've got what it takes to achieve your dreams to make an impact in this world. Till next time, with yours truly, Cindy Marie, to empower your life. <laughs>